I have a uh, quick pop quiz for you today. It's easy, I believe, for many of you, maybe not Pastor Joey, um, but, but some of you are going to get it. And it's important because it, it's interesting that uh, Pastor Mark come up here and we, we honored you, sir, for everything that you've done and your, your wife, Phyllis, because let's be honest, when someone's called to ministry, their spouse is called too. And um, part of what we're going to talk about today is that particular thing. So here's the first question. Who knows this guy? Anybody know who that guy is? Who is it? That's, no, 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 no. Right, but Jackie Gleason playing Smokey. Now, I wish, I wish John was here today. It's going to be good. So, good job for whoever guessed this. How about this next one? How about this guy? That is Roscoe P. Coltrane. That's Roscoe P. Coltrane. Anybody remember those guys? I grew up, yes, Flash, the hound dog. He's a good dog, basset hound. Now, I grew up with Smokey and Roscoe P. Coltrane. I, I kind of, I was endeared to them. However, I didn't really understand what was happening in my life at the time because they were the bad guys, right? But the Duke boys and the bandit was the good guys. Then, then I met these guys. Anybody know who these guys are? That's Ponch and John. This is ridiculous, I know. But when you're a young boy, these guys were cool. They had motorcycles. And I don't know if any of you were here when I told you the story of me trying to jump Mad River. <clears throat> but anything with two wheels was exciting to me at this time in my life. So Ponch and John, I wanted to be just like them. But one thing they did different than Smokey and Roscoe is they were good guys chasing bad guys. I wanted to be just like that. When I was in kindergarten, I remember writing down, and it probably wasn't very legible, but said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the, the best answer probably would have been in, in high school, right? But instead, you're like, man, everybody wanted to be a fireman. Everybody wanted to be a policeman. But that's what I wrote down. I want to be a policeman. That was exciting to me. Police have this authority, right? They get to carry a gun, right? And, and even in your small town, I grew up in West Liberty, Ohio. Anybody here ever heard of it? Huge metropolis. We have three stoplights, and if you're not careful, we'll put a fourth one up. And, uh, and you stop at every one of them. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, ugh. We've been praying about it for a couple of decades. But that way you can stop and get coffee, then you can stop and get ice cream, then you can stop and get pizza. All on your way out of town. <clears throat> so in West Liberty, growing up, there was this uh, town police chief. I don't know who he was the chief of because there was only one guy that worked there. But he was the police chief. And his name was Cooksey. And as a little boy, I thought he was the man. He had a gun. I even drove, or drove by, <laughs> rode by his house one time. Believe it or not, I did drive before I was 16. <clears throat> Cooksey knew about it. Um, but I rode by his house on my bike, and he was putting decals on the new cruiser. And I hung out with him and talked to him, and 
And then he would do this. He'd be like, Bart, I want you to get down at that stop sign and ride past me as far as you can, or as fast as you can, and I'll clock you. Man, I'm pedaling, and he's clocking me, and he's showing me how all this stuff works. I think I got up to maybe 12, (laughs) whatever, maybe less, I don't know. Maybe he lied, I don't know. But it felt like I was working really hard. And we would do this over and over, and he took time out to make it cool to me. I just thought that was awesome. So I could not wait till one day grow up and be like that guy. And then what happens when you're a little boy is everywhere you go where there's a police officer, you're part of their group now. Police officers in other towns must have thought I was weird because I'd walk up to them, how you doing? I didn't even have a hat. I just do that because that's what you did, right? And, uh, and you would talk to them, and they probably didn't want to talk to me, but they didn't let that be known at the time. What I was doing was honoring them. It's a form of honor. They were such big deals in my life. Ponch and John could not wait to grow up and be like them. My mom is the reason that didn't happen. She found out I tried to jump Mad River, and <laughs> she's like, no more two wheels for you. So uh, it's her fault that I'm not a California Highway Patrol officer on a motorcycle. It's interesting that when you don't follow the law, there's consequences, right? Police officers, I, I, have, to, I have a confession to make. So I drive a lot. This last week, <laughs> I was on 675, and I wear size 13 shoes, and, and sometimes my shoes are heavy, and it's not my fault, but occasionally my truck goes really fast. I think the wheels are loose or something, and I went over this hill, and you know, that, you know those moments where you're not really paying attention? And then all of a sudden, you pay attention really quick. Something caused you to suddenly pay attention. And it could have been this police cruiser. Ponch and John was waiting for me. And they didn't even turn their lights on. But guilt hit me. You know what guilt does. Guilt all of a sudden causes you to reflect on your life and start making decisions that are proper. And so little by little, I started going from the passing lane. And by the way, folks, that outside lane's for passing. It's not for cruising. It's for passing. <laughs> right? <laughs> Boy, the enemy gets fired up real quick and you're like, get away from me, devil. <laughs> They're just cruising. But 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 listen, <clears throat> all of a sudden that guilt hits and you get over to that middle lane. And I'm not trying to get away. I'm just being honest because I know if he's doing his job, I'm in trouble. And then I get over to the next lane. Then before you know it, I see him pull out, and I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. And then I get over again, and then he turns his lights on. I'm almost all the way pulled over by the time his lights come on. He walks up, and as soon as he gets to my window, I already have my license ready, my insurance papers ready. And I've got him. (laughs) And he almost laughed. I know that he was holding it back. And he said, thanks for pulling over. And I... He goes, you were going pretty fast. I said, I know. I hope he's watching this. And uh, he said, he said uh, um, why were you going so fast? And I said, because I didn't see you. 
Let's be honest, right? Shouldn't we just start getting honest about things? And, and maybe, maybe I hope nobody listens to this because he came back and he gave me a seatbelt violation. And I will confess, I will not tell you how fast I was going, but I deserved a ticket for speeding. But he gave me a seatbelt violation. And just so you know, I always wear my seatbelt. But you cannot wear it under your arm. It is improper in the state of Ohio to wear your seatbelt under your arm. It has to be over your shoulder. So I still had to pay a fine because I wore my seatbelt incorrectly in the state of Ohio. I say all that to say this. I was guilty. I pay a fine. I have no complaints. I cannot possibly complain because I owed the state of Ohio too much money but for violating the law because the authority of the police. Lesson learned. I tell you what, man, I have creeped since. Just creep, not worth it, pay attention. There's this thing called cruise control, and man, I owned it the rest of the week. Cruise control, boom. Um, And I started wearing flip-flops instead of my regular shoes (laughs) because, again, size 13 gets pretty heavy. But police was like, that was the thing to me, man. I, I just could not wait to grow up and be a police officer. Now you all know, I did not grow up to be a police officer. Um, just God ended up changing. He can change me, and that's what he did. Honor means this. It is to hold in high respect or great esteem. To hold in high respect or great esteem. It also means um, we, can, uh, we can honor from a position to the position of authority. So, for instance, I honored the police officers. By the way, he was very appreciative that I just owned it. So maybe you should just own it if you ever get pulled over. Just, just own it. They already know. I mean, they have evidence. They, they clocked you. So he appreciated that. <clears throat> we can honor through actions uh, showing high esteem or just by... Uh, observing a request, you know, the request of something like uh, a father and mother may request something. Just, just do it. Be obedient. We can honor in word or in deed. You can honor by doing something or you can honor by saying something. Honor also means to adhere to what is right or to do conventional standard of conduct. So to adhere to what is right. I feel like we all have this uh, gauge within us. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have the Holy Spirit, and we kind of know right from wrong, right? But we also have this standard of conduct that we read called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. And we know in there how we should behave, how we should act, things that we should do, how we should treat each other, truths. I heard one time from a, a big megachurch, actually, I heard one time somebody say, not all of God, life's answers is in this book. Are you kidding me? Thank God for this book, because when I needed answers, this is exactly where I found answers. That is, this is where all of life's answers truly are, is in the word of God. I'm grateful for I don't know where I would be without God's word. 
it's amazing to me <clears throat> that, that so many, and I, I think it's because maybe they just don't know what's in there, don't want to open it. Man, I can get lost. You know how on Facebook you'll, you'll watch that puppy video? And then two hours later, you're watching the next one and the next one and the next one. Because puppies are cute. Everybody likes puppies. I get lost like that with God's word sometimes. That You'll open something and you, you will dig. And you'll start to find things. And you'll learn characters of people. And you'll understand certain circumstances. And, and it teaches you. Every time, it's, it's like a shower cleansing you. Every time you open God's word, it cleanses you. If you've got your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And you know what? While you're doing that, I will do that also. Colossians chapter 3. Now, many of you already know this, and some of you may only pay attention to one sentence here and one sentence there, but I'm going to read it all. Colossians 3, verse 18, it says this, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, if you're a guy, do not stop listening right? It also says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now, I'm not going to ask who's guilty of the first two verses there, but we all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? And, and, and one of the greatest things about our Savior is that he is in the redeeming business, Then it says in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So, wives, honor husbands. Husbands, honor wives. Children, honor your parents. Verse 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Fathers, honor children? Yeah. We're, we're called to honor each other. 22, bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleasers, but in the sincerity of heart, fearing God. That means you're doing it because of your fear for the Lord, not necessarily the master, not, not the one over you, but to please God himself. Verse 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he does her has done, and there is no partiality. When it says there is no partiality, it means God doesn't pick favorites. You don't there, there is no uh, command change when it comes to, to God. God's in charge and no one else is. So you don't get to be a certain status where you're not subject to God's truths. Even Billy Graham in his last breath was subject to the word of God and had to be obedient and honor God. 
That's amazing, isn't it? I think it is. We, we, we sing this song, I exalt thee. Man, were you also moved by it? There's something powerful about our God. There's something powerful that when we honor him, it becomes contagious. It's contagious. The joy of the Lord spreads. And when we start to honor God, it starts over here, then here, then here, then all of a sudden the whole room is in the presence of God. That's how that works. It's better when we're together and doing it correctly. It's like that in marriage. It's like that in parenting. It's like that at work. It's like that in a classroom. And it's like that at church. That's why scripture says never neglect fellowship with other believers. We need each other. Don't we? Man, we do. Some of the worst times or the most discouraging times in your life, someone in the flesh was God for you. I came to you with food. I came to you with drink. I came to you with clothing. I came to you with words. And that's how we show each other honor. We do it for the Lord. And sometimes we receive and sometimes we give. I think that is the best pyramid scheme of all time. I think it's the greatest thing that we could ever do is be obedient to this word when it says to do those things. So today's message is on the importance of honor. Also in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. I didn't write it. I did not write that. Not one verse I read today did I first write. They were all written way before I was even thought of. Not by God, but by my mom. God knew me before she did. Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord, which Pastor Joey was mentioning, is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. So many people have that backwards, right? So many people feel like I I deserve honor or we do the honor part first and we become sometimes entitled. There is no entitling in the kingdom of God. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Did Jesus wash feet? (laughs) Right? That's unbelievable to me. You know why Bart Zirkel didn't die on the cross for your sins? So I am nothing compared to Jesus. Jesus washed feet of servants. Matter of fact, Jesus washed Judas's feet. Unbelievable. But why would Jesus do such a thing? Because humility comes before honor and because he was doing it unto the Lord, his God. It was an act of service to God Almighty that Jesus would humble himself to wash the feet of even the one that would betray him, the one that would deny him three times, and the rest of them that took off. Man, we complain a lot, don't we? I do. I'm guilty. 
And yet you can go back to scriptures and you can say, Christ, I need to be more like you. Every day I need to be broken before you. Every day I need to open this great diet of food right here and continue to eat your words and humble myself before you to understand that this isn't about me. This life is not about me. It's not. The graduation of this life is the fact that we get to be with God for eternity. I should know him before I get there. I don't want to get to heaven and be a stranger to the one that created me. So it's important now to get close with the Lord. And how does Scripture say we get close to him? By humbling ourselves, by serving others. Putting others before ourselves. Matthew chapter 13. Is that clock right? You guys' clock's broken. I'll fix it. Wow. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 57 says, And so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own home. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So we, we all talk about Nazareth and, 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 and this, boy, you guys were great this morning. Bob, you did great. Because... When you think of Nazareth, you think of Jesus. And when you think of Jesus, you think of Nazareth. Well, one thing we often forget is the mighty miracles never happened in Nazareth. Because Jesus was just the carpenter's son when he came into town. They missed it. They missed honoring who Christ was. Because he was Joseph's kid. Nothing special. No big deal. Two chapters before, he's in Capernaum healing everybody. And then he comes to Nazareth. They're like, oh, yeah, we remember that kid. Oh, well. Could you imagine? We act like that we couldn't imagine, but there's buildings all over full of people that ho-hum Jesus Christ. Man, he's powerful. He's still in the business today. And I'm not just saying it. I would not waste my time getting up in the morning to come up here to go through the trials you'll never know about to tell you Jesus loves you if it didn't mean everything to me, if it wasn't the pinnacle of who I am deep inside. Jesus is all Bart Zirkel's God. When you cut me to the cord, I've got nothing except Jesus Christ. And I don't need anybody to believe that except Jesus Christ. Just like you in whatever position that you've been in in your life, you may not even understand that when you're looking in the mirror, you're looking at someone God created to do mighty and powerful things. And if someone has lied to you and told you that is not you, I tell you it is the truth that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He set you apart and you were made in his image. And not by your works, but by the works of Jesus Christ, you'll have the Holy Spirit in him that resurrected him from the dead. I'm not making it up. It's in this book. So I honor you today with the calling that you are different also. 
The, the shoes that you have, that you walk through, the life that got you here, the fiery storms that brought you here, the trials that you went through, all things work for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It was all a moment of strength for you. It was all a moment for you to lift those weights, to get a little stronger, to get a little bolder, right? And now you're here. It's Sunday morning. You're in Mechanicsburg. Why are you here? You're not here to waste your time too, right? We're here because God is good. God is good. This is him washing our feet. When we step in through these doors and we sit in these chairs, this is God washing our feet that he's so good that maybe we came for the wrong reason, but he's still going to love you anoint you, and that when we sing, we exalt thee, he'll receive it and say, I love you too. And that it will be contagious because the Spirit of God is bigger than anything else. Man, that gets me excited. It does. It gets me excited. What else do we have in this world? Jobs come and go. They don't define who you are. Trials come and go. They don't define who you are. Parents, Friends, unfortunately, they come and go. But there will be one day when my eyes shut for the last time on this earth, the next time they open, the first face that I will see will be God's. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? Pastor Joey, that's why you preach. That's why you teach. That's why you do it. You do it because Paul says in scriptures, I'm compelled. I can't not do it. You're compelled. It's who you are. It's what you're called to do. Even just sitting in a church isn't just sitting in a church. We've got these quivers, and you might not see them, but they've got these arrows. And it's easy for Bart Zirkel to get up here and to preach. It's easy you know when it's hard? When I'm at my desk and I'm doing work that doesn't matter for a purpose that isn't important. Frustrated. That's when it's hard. It's easy when all you believe the same thing I do. Yeah! But then we walk out these doors and it gets difficult. We're here to encourage each other to walk out those doors and be bold, and be strong, and be courageous, and make good godly decisions, and use this book as instruction of conduct, of standard, and to honor one another. Just like when Jesus became unpopular, you remember when it happened, right? When he was being beaten. And then he became unpopular, and what happened? All the disciples were like, oh, I don't know. I was not with them. I was with uh, the soldiers over here. You know, when we walk out these doors, we are tempted right away to be part of a different team or a different crowd. Don't. It's a lie. There's nothing in it for you. It's empty. You're on the right team. You're on the best team. You're on the team that wins. And because dishonor is so overwhelming in our culture today, 
it seems like you might not be on the right team sometimes. Boy, Christians, all they do is judge. I've been around a lot of Christians that they're the last ones that judge. I admit, we get it wrong sometimes, don't we? We do. But I'm glad that I've got some friends that go into prisons and serve others. I'm blessed that I have some people that have given their last dollar for others because of their love for the Lord. I'm glad that I know people that love the Lord so much that they've given their time, their home, their energy, their emotions, and all those things to do the, to the least as unto the Lord. Because that's what we are called to do. So surround yourselves with those people. Scripture says iron sharpens iron. You need each other. Anybody ever seen iron hit each other? What happens? Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Yeah, it does. Good job. Sparks. It sparks. We need each other. Hit me. I don't mean seriously. <laughs> However, Joey, I've been waiting for a long time. You made that West Liberty comment earlier. But it sparks. Man, we, 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 we bring it together. And then all of a sudden, I'm a preacher, and I will be even if I don't have a position. I've sat in coffee shops talking about Jesus for four hours before. I've had to leave really heavy tips before because waitresses gave up their entire day for a couple guys to sit around and talk about Jesus the whole time. Why? It's because when that spark happens, it's the best place to be around. It is the best place to be around. I worried about these notes, but I haven't looked down. So TV, media, the news, the spirit of dishonor is out there, and you should understand what it is, not so the fact that we can talk about it so much, as much as we can stay away from it. We're talked into dishonoring often, and Facebook and Twitter and all of them will grab you. Who needs a wall? I'm not going to get political, but what I am going to say is we should honor, regardless of who's president of the United States, that that's our president. And you should honor that position. And if you aren't willing to do that, you should read your Bible because your Bible tells you to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But it's not just a president of the United States. It's all those leaders. And they will disagree. And they will be fight. How often have you prayed about it? So many of us will get on Facebook and we'll go off on Facebook. And then who feels better after that? I got 42 likes. It's a good thing there's not a dislike button, right? I got 1,000 dislikes, but I got 42 likes. It's not about that. What kind of honor can you give, even in those darkest moments that are so gross and ugly, that the propaganda is out there? Now, it says in Scripture that the spirit of the Antichrist will come long before he does. And what it will do is it will deceive many. So the spirit of dishonor comes out, and it might start with the president. But then all of a sudden, who else is bad? Police officers are bad. They're shooting everybody. No, they're not. Police officers are good, even if they pull you over because you drive fast. See what I'm saying? And then it's not just the police officers. Then, then it's going to be the moms and the dads. And then it's 
the teachers. My son brought home a D. Well, tell him to work harder. I'll tell you what, in my house, when I brought home a bad report card, I can just hear my parents laughing now when I say, it's the teacher's fault. It was never the teacher's fault. They knew me. It was my fault. If the coach wasn't putting me in a game, it was my fault. Even those moments that it may not have been in my heart, I can look back now and understand things I could have done different in those situations. Right? And if I, well, could you imagine going to, uh, some of you that grew up the way I did, my grandparents, now, Pastor Joey would refer to my grandma as you old ladies. I've been waiting to get up here with that one. But my grandmother, she was the sweetest, funniest, pudgy old lady. I lo- I, to this day, I can close my eyes and hear her and see her because of how I loved her. She was funny. And we would just, we, we would go into her home and, and she would welcome you with you, you're welcome to do anything in her home. But if you open that refrigerator, my dad's hand, boom! Because you don't do that in somebody else's house. This ain't your house, boy. Okay, Dad. So I knew that even though my beautiful grandmother would try to deceive me into getting whatever I wanted out of the fridge, that my dad was the law. And you don't do that in her house. So I learned to honor my dad even in her house. But dad, she said, I, this, that look, right? You know that look. Some of you young dads, you're learning the craft. Mom's got it a little better right now, but you're learning the craft. But my dad had that look, and you'd, so you, you know, I have friends. I have friends that would beg. There's no such thing as begging in the Zirkle home. Like, I would go to a friend's house, and they'd be like, okay, I, I wore my mom down. She said yes. And I was like, what, what, what is this that you speak of? Wore them down. <laughs> my dad was in Vietnam, and that didn't wear him down. I was like, what do you speak of when you say wore down? I learned real quick. I remember my friend Brad. This is the truth. And by the way, we used to have phones that were on walls with long cords. So I'd answer the phone, and my friend Brad would be like, hey, uh, see if you can spend the night. And I'd be like, huh, <laughs> my mom's at home. <laughs> Answer's no. Because <clears throat> you know that mom might say yes. And he goes, well, go ask your dad, and I laughed. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I go in there, I was like, dad, no. I didn't even ask yet, but he knew, right? He knew. Brad wants to know. If I can spend the night, no, okay. So I go back, I'm like, Brad can't spend the night. I don't know what it is when you're younger about spending the night. When you get older, I want my bed. <laughs> Anybody can call me up. You want to spend the night? No. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. You all know, right? You get used to that. I got a nice little divot. You can take my sheets off and go, well, that's where he lays right there. It's like a little cubby hole. 
But when we are young, I don't know what it is, but we just want to spend the night. Maybe I can eat their food, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Brad goes, go ask him again. Foreign concept to me. Why would I do that? Well, see if he, he, he changed his mind in one minute? Brad lived in a home, though, that that happened. It was not a thing in my house. I didn't even waste my time doing it. I was like, Brad, he's, he said no. And Brad got so offended at me, like I didn't want to be at it. I was like, I, I do, I want to be at your house. But if, I'm, if I got to stay here, I'm with that guy. Right? The rest, it's only 6 p.m. I'm probably going to be awake until midnight, and he's here. <clears throat> and back, I didn't grow up rich. We had a TV. A TV. And you watch what dad watched. So a lot of my friends are like, how do you know all these old shows? Because dad was the remote control. Actually, I was the remote control. <clears throat> You guys don't even, you, the, you young generation are so spoiled. But you used to have knobs on the TV, and you would turn them, and then sometimes the screen would go flip, 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 and your dad would say fix it, and all of a sudden you were a TV repairman. And there was that knob that didn't do anything that you would turn. I don't know, Dad, I don't know. We had to watch Rockford Files. I, yes, I know about Rockford Files, too. But that's what living in the Zirkle household was like. You said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And then all of a sudden it became contagious. Because I did that at home, I would do that anywhere. Anywhere. It'd be a, well, there wasn't a Walmart. There was a Murphy Mart. Anybody remember Murphy Mart? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, and then whenever anyone would offer you anything, no, thank you, I'm good. Because you can't possibly be in need of anything. Not in my household. We don't take anything from anybody. All right, Dad, but it was just candy or gum or whatever. When I would, when I would trick or treat, I was probably the most polite kid in town. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Dad would trick or treat. with If he had to go, you were going to do it right. And he did not want to go. But he would go. And you would dress. And again, I said we were poor, Right. I, grew, I, I, I went as a, uh, the trash bag guy many times. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You, you wear a trash bag and you put a cheap mask on and you're like, what am I? Your dad's like, you're the trash bag guy. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> you go and you knock on doors. This is the truth. That's why it's funny. You knock on doors and people will give you some candy. But once in a while, you get that person that gives you that candy that nobody wants. Oh, circuit, circus peanuts again? Thanks. Those are delicious. But you know what? I'd still say, thank you. Thank you. And then there was always that one person that would give a toothbrush. Thank you. It's going to be delicious. <laughs> thank you. But it becomes contagious because that's how your parents bring you up. And you think they're being mean to you, but they're teaching you an important principle. Because isn't it a lot better to be around people that know how to conduct themselves. And, and I didn't appreciate it at all until I got in the service business. 
And then you're, all of a sudden, you're, my, everybody in the world should be a waiter at some point in their life. Or waitress. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, you serve people. And then you really see how people act. And I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> I will say this. When I was in Dallas, Texas at Bible College, I worked at a place called Papa Do's. There's now one here in Cincinnati. It's one of the greatest places on the planet. But I was in this Bible Belt area where all these mega churches, every church was a mega church in Dallas, Texas, all these mega churches. And there was this certain pastor, and I won't say his name, but he was a bishop, and he would pull up to the restaurant in a phantom. Anybody know what a phantom? At that time, it was probably like a quarter million dollar car. And it would get, and he would come in, and at one time he had this really popular rapper at the time, Christian rapper. And I would always somehow get their table. And I was so blessed to get that table because, you know, you grow up, and I'm going to Bible college, and here are the famous preachers in town. Worst tippers in the world. They were, and you would, you would get them everything, but they were such bad tippers. And, uh, and you learned really quick. Um, I remember going home to, or going back to, um, you know, our dorm and, and talking in my small group. And I said, it is so important that when we carry a flag that we are Christians, how important it is to be Christians all the way through, not just part of the way. Because your waiter might know who you are right? And I won't say other things, but there are other things, but that was so important to me. That was a good lesson for me to learn that wherever you go and whatever you do to conduct yourselves 100% the best that you can to resemble Christ. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Good stuff. In the second grade, anybody remember the second grade? In the second grade, I had this one bad friend. Anybody have a friend when they were growing up that you like, you look back now and you're like, kind of surprised I was friends with them. <laughs> There's this one guy that liked to set everything on fire. And somehow I got with him and we became friends. And he's always putting you in situations that you're like, no, I don't want to burn that down. I hope he's listening. His name is Shane, but that's all I'll say about that one. <clears throat> but one time, Shane and I were riding bikes, because again, two wheels. Shane was there when I tried to jump Mad River, and uh, so, yeah, wow, Shane, that was his fault, maybe, maybe that was his fault. And uh, so, Shane always wanted to do things that, like, were not things I would do. And so, one day, we're literally just riding our bikes through some alleys. And Shane grabbed a rock and threw it at this garage and shattered this window. That's nothing I would ever do. And this older guy came out because he was in the garage. And instantly, it's amazing that before I knew I had the Holy Spirit, I had it. <laughs> because instantly, I jumped off my bike and Shane kept riding, of course. If you've ever seen the movie Shane, it makes complete sense. <clears throat> but so Shane kept riding, and uh, right, and that's what I was saying. Where is he going, man? He's the one that threw a rock, and I went up and faced the old man 
because that was not something I would do. And so the elderly gentleman appreciated, he saw what happened and he knew I didn't throw the rock. And he appreciated it as he walked me to my house where that guy I live with is <laughs> that won't let anything fun happen. And uh, he let my dad know, hey, your son did stop, um, and, and, you know, and I appreciate that and everything. My window needs replaced, da, da, da. Do you know where I can find the other kid? Because I wouldn't tell on my friend. So dad told on him just fine. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll tell you where he lives. <laughs> Our friendship was soon over. And, um, but I sat there for the longest time and thought, what caused me to jump off that bike? It was not even a thing for me. And as I got older in life, I would remember that story. You know those stories you remember that seem so probably insignificant to the gentleman that got his window broke? Probably insignificant to my dad or even Shane, but it was huge to me because it, I don't know what stopped me from running. But as I got older, I started to understand it was honor because that's not how you treat people, and it's not okay that you did that. And I could not just ride away knowing that that happened. And it became kind of who I was. <clears throat> it's not because I was good. It's because I was taught to honor. I wasn't good. But I was taught to honor. That's how important teaching honor is. That's how important honoring is. Uh, so I respected this gentleman. I respected his house. He got a new window. Um, and then, of course, I didn't hang out with Shane that much after that because that spirit of dishonor is contagious. Honor is not just for neighbors or elders or so forth. We need to honor people in authority, the position that they're in. Could you imagine going to work and telling your boss off? Now, some of you dream of that, right? You're like, my last day at work. You know, Pastor Mark, you're probably like, man, Pastor Drew, get in here. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. But many of us um, may have thought that at some point in our life. But here's the thing. You have a job that has a boss. And regardless of what you may think of that boss or your opinion of him or her as a, as a person, they're still your boss. And if you were to go off on them, you probably would not have a paycheck anymore. And so honor is important just in the business world just in our everyday work world. You ever heard of the term, don't burn bridges? You know what that means? You might need that bridge again someday. So even honor the bridges that as you're leaving, I've got a friend that will always put a two weeks notice in. I've never not, I mean, I've always have two, but his was different because there was a situation that it would have been really hard to stay at your job if you were him. But he still honored the company and put a two-week notice in and honored them anyway. And that meant something to me because that's important. That's character. That's who he was. Jude chapter 5. Oh. Not Jude chapter 5. Jude verse, verse 5. It's 1043. You guys forgot to set your clocks back. <clears throat> 
They say the first big snow set your clocks back in error. Um, <clears throat> verse 5, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up here soon. says this, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. But pay attention to this verse right here. Verse 8 says, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. That's important because Jude's talking about the great falling away, the great apostasy, the falling away from the truth. He's talking about the culture in the latter days that will occur. And he says that it's a lot like when a third of the demons left. It's a lot like the defiling of flesh, rejecting authority and speaking evil of dignitaries. Sounds a lot like America today, right? It is so important for the church for the body of Christ to resemble Jesus right now especially. Because there is a lost and dying world out there that needs to see honor, respect, needs to see good conduct, needs to see Christ-like behavior. They need to see it. Because we're rejecting authority, speaking evil of dignitaries, and it becomes contagious. Dishonor is contagious we know the story, right, of Moses. Did you know that Moses married an Ethiopian? Did you guys know that? And Aaron and Miriam were so mad that he married an Ethiopian. I won't get into a lot of the story there, but there's a lot of good story there. But they come against Moses with it. And while coming against Moses... God intervened. Anybody know what happened? Oh, man, would not want to be Miriam, huh? God gave Miriam leprosy, and she got super white real quick. It says that in Scripture. She got really white. You don't like Ethiopian? You don't like that Moses is marrying an Ethiopian? Well, here, you be super white. It's what happened. And then all of a sudden, one thing Really awesome happened. Number one, God said, oh, this is how I typically speak to prophets, but Moses, I speak face to face. He was letting them know, who are you to judge my relationship with Moses? I'm no one to judge your relationship with God. That's between you, God, and your pillow. And Miriam, who knew Moses really well, God said, I talked to Moses face to face. Who are you? So he gives her leprosy. Anybody know what Moses did? Did Moses love Miriam? Man, he prayed and said, God, heal her. I love her. Did God heal Miriam? Yeah, seven days later. Let her, let her go through that for seven days. It's important to God that we honor. 
And it was important that Miriam honored Moses. And it was important that Aaron honored Moses. Well, you might be saying, well, Bart, what if they're not Moses? Scripture says Abraham was a man of faith. In Hebrews, it says that. Abraham was called and was a man of faith. Does anyone know the story of Abraham? Did Abraham lie to get his way? Yeah, he did. He lied. He did a lot of deceptive things. Why would the Bible call him a man of faith? Why would God say he's a man of faith? Because Christians often read 10 chapters of a 20-chapter book. We often read 10 chapters, don't we? And then we judge at chapter 10. Abraham, what an idiot. Well, if it wasn't for Abraham, we wouldn't be here today reading a Bible. Because when his book ended, he was a man of faith. There's still hope for all of us. How about David? The warrior spirit in David, the fighting spirit of David to fight Goliath. Well, there's a lot more to David's story, right? David also had an eye for Bathsheba. She was beautiful. She was married, though. Had her husband murdered. And then his adulterous way stepped right into Bathsheba's life. Because of that, a lot of David's life had a curse on it. Did God say that David is a man after my own heart? Was he wrong? No. Ten chapters into David's story, we can't make a decision. Without David's destruction and fall and all that, we wouldn't have psalms written by David, pouring his heart out into the Lord. See, oftentimes your valley or your wilderness time or your trial or whatever you go through has a purpose because there's greatness at the end of it. And sometimes we don't let people get to the end of their story. I'm excited for everybody in here, because it would not be an accident that you're hearing a message today from God. It would not be an accident that God is teaching about honor because every person in here deserves to honor and to be honored. Are you a child of God? Then we're called to honor each other, called to honor you. I'm going to close with this. Man, I've had a whole, this should have been a three-part series. There's too much to talk about in Scripture when it comes to honor. There is. There's so much. But I want to talk really quick. Um, I had mentioned my dad. I've not done a a, a lot right in my life. But one thing I did right and that I will boast about is that I honored my father. Anybody that knows me knows that. And when I grew up, I grew up in a home that was pretty rough. You know, sometimes we got in fights and sometimes we got in trouble. My dad's yes was yes and his no was no. And my dad failed in a lot of ways in some areas. Something happened in uh, the mid-90s where God captured my heart. He captured it. And I did not like my dad during that time. Still honored him, still respected him, but I didn't like him. 
And I remember being at a church and I gave my life to Christ and I would be like, God, why am I such a disappointment to my dad by choosing you? Because in my dad's eyes, I was going to do other things. And I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times when you take a step of faith and you join the ministry, you might work without paychecks. And you might, um, there, I've always said this, there's never really part-time ministers, it's just part-time pay. And it's, I'm just being honest, that a lot of times there's so much that get poured out. And I'm not talking about just pastors, I'm talking about anybody in ministry. Anybody. And it was hard, and it was difficult, and there were many moments where my dad would say, see, they let you down. And there were moments that I really had to choose God or my dad. But I prayed every single day for Ed Zirkel. And there was one time, I can tell you, it was at Green Street United Methodist Church in Piqua, Ohio, and I went up to an altar, and I prayed, and I nailed something to the cross. There was something there that was a red sheet of paper, and you were supposed to nail something to the cross that you wanted to give over to the Lord. And I nailed to the cross my dad's name, Ed Zirkel, and I prayed, and I'll tell you exactly what I prayed. I said, God, I want to love my dad how you do. And I started praying every day for him, and it got challenging. I can tell you there were times that I was kicked out of my dad's house for talking to him about Jesus. I had rocks thrown at me. I was told never to come back. And if you only read part of the story, you'd think Ed Zirkel, what a terrible father. But my dad was the best dad. Because I serve a great God. And there was a time in the early 2000s, that my dad had a heart attack and a stroke and we're up at the Springfield Hospital and they're getting ready to wheel him into surgery. And my brothers were closer to my dad than I was and so I was kind of sitting back and I heard him say, where's Bart? Now instantly, he cares where I'm at. I'm excited. So I walk up there and he's crying. Anybody around any of those dudes that never cry? My dad never cried. And it was the ugliest cry I've ever seen in my life. And he was crying. And it does something to you when the strongest person you know cries. And my eyes made contact with his. And I said, Dad, are you afraid? And he said, I said, Dad, do you need Jesus? And he said, And that day I led my dad to the Lord. He went into surgery, had five bypasses because one of his arteries made its own bypass and it got clogged. So I had five bypasses. My dad just weeks later had a stroke. And throughout the next years of his life, lost the use of his legs and his arms. These are my, these are my shoes I'm about to tell you. You all have shoes too, but here's my shoes. That guy that wouldn't let me spend the night with Brad, (laughs) that guy that was such a tough guy, was the best dad in the world. He became my biggest cheerleader in ministry. You know what? There was a time in my life when I was thrown away, and it was Ed Zirkel that said, you're my pastor. You keep preaching. I'm up here today because that man that did not want me to join ministry. I don't need anybody else to believe it. 
I just need my God to believe it. And as that continues, my dad becomes this amazing Christian man. And anybody that knows him, when they hear that part of the story, are like, that was your dad? Yeah. Here's a picture of the greatest day that happened in my life. My dad could hardly walk. He was in a wheelchair, and we were out at this pond, and we baptized 66 people. And my dad, like a child, stood up and started walking out to the water. I grew up in a home where I feared this guy. I grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of love with this guy. And in that moment right there, my dad was my best friend. The last few months of his life, I moved in to take care of him. I'll tell you what honor is. My dad was on hospice care, so I'd have to pick him up and help him go to the bathroom. And there was one moment that I'll never forget that my dad was leaned up against the sink looking in a mirror and I'm helping get him dressed. And my eyes made contact with his again and he said, I'm sorry. And my heart broke because he didn't understand I would never want to be anywhere else than I was at that moment. That taking care of him was an honor because he was the greatest man in my life. That's what honor is. Honor is when it's not about you. Honor is when you do it because of the love. When you do it because it's the right thing. When you do it because the conduct that the word says to do it. And when the word says, do unto everyone as you would me, do it unto the Lord, that means, Pastor Mark, I love you because the Lord loves you. That means, Pastor Joey, I love you because the Lord loves you. And this is his church. That's what honor is. That's why Jesus washes feet. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much, God. We thank you for today, God. I thank you for your word, God, does not return void, God. I pray, Lord, that your word and the Holy Spirit has penetrated the hearts, God, of each person here, God, that as we go from here, God, we go in a spirit of honor, Lord, that we would honor one another, that we would lift each other up, God. Put on our hearts to pray for one another. Put on our hearts, God, to be that bridge for somebody that needs to come back across, Lord. Put people in our life that needs loved on. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that if there be anybody here that feels so broken and so lost, I pray that you would reveal to them they're only in chapter 10, that you're not done with them yet, that you believe in them. And Father, I pray, Father, that if there be any relationships that need mended between father and son, daughters and mothers, husbands and wives, I pray, Lord Jesus, that that spirit of restoration and reconciliation be contagious here also, Father. I pray for broken hearts to be mended, Lord. And I believe these things because I believe in you, Father. I believe you're King of kings. I believe that you're Lord of lords. 
I believe that you worked miracles in Capernaum, and I believe that Nazareth missed out because they didn't recognize who you are, God. So we put you on the throne here at this church, that you are the pastor of this church, Jesus Christ. You're the healer, Father. You're the one that sets captives free. And we ask your Holy Spirit to be loosed in this building and wherever we go, God, that it will be able to do your work unhindered in Jesus Christ's name, Lord. Bless these people as they go from here. Amen.